Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Good evening, Khuyanand, Mulweni, and a hearty welcome to the Shahida Kali show. Always a pleasure to be here and really to spend some quality time with you. So, great stuff. So, this week is the uh, second episode, if I have to put it that way, that forms a part of focusing on divorce mediation, particularly having FAMSA in the studio as our guest. And tonight, as last week, I speak with Margaret Fulton, who is a family mediator and registered counsellor at FAMSA. Good evening and welcome to the program. Good evening, Shahida. Thank you. It's so lovely to have you here and speak in about such an important and yet sore topic, isn't it, Margaret? Yes, but I always love to talk about it, I must say, because it's just so important that people have awareness about it and that and know that there are people out there who are listening and want to talk about it. That's, that's really great. And also that there, there's help for people who really struggle at a very critical time of their lives. Um, you know, such a big event that happens in their life with the, uh, you know, the divorce that is pending or they are about to make that decision. It's a very, very important uh, time of people's lives. So last week we spoke about you know, mostly um, or very often of your focus would be the division of marital estate and then parenting, particularly shared parenting, and then the restructuring of the family. And we'll be speaking about more aspects thereof. But I'd like us to speak about um, the importance for you, Margaret. Let's speak about how important is it that people should have conversations about the different aspects that that will be involved when they now contemplate divorce. No, it's, it's really very, very important. I think for most people, because it's such an emotionally difficult time and such a, a painful time, that people are overwhelmed emotionally. And really what they can think of mostly is getting out of the relationship that they're in which is causing them pain or where they're not really comfortable at all anymore and so it's really really difficult for them to think of other things the future the changes that are going to happen how they are going to adapt to the changes they can barely deal with the emotions that they're going through at the time so it's really hard it's mm. really really hard yeah and i think would you say because it is so hard makes divorce mediation with a mediator so useful so helpful yes because the thing of of mediation is of the mediation process anyway that it has 
a certain structure you are talking about particular issues you are working towards certain resolutions you're not just coming in and feeling awful and having to find your way out of that mm -hmm. so last week we spoke about the division of the marital estate and we touched on the different regimes of marriage that will of course inform um, the divorce at the time so if people yes. are legally married there is there is almost an immediate an, a direct consequence of what the divorce is likely to look like in terms of the marital estate Yes, in terms of the, the, the material assets yeah. in the marriage and yeah. the liabilities in yeah. marriage, yes. And I think, you know, we touched very briefly on your issue, um, your issues around those matters will be more when you're having people who are married by, let's say, Islamic right or cultural rights, and, you know, if they haven't formalized their marriage, then there are more um, probably issues and aspects that need more of a conversation? Um, well, yes. Um, I, I, as I don't know. I'm not Muslim myself, so I don't know the exact details of the law and the traditions and what is required. So I usually rely on my clients to tell, to tell me and enlighten me about what they are thinking, how they are viewing what is going to happen, what they think is going to happen. And then we see how they each feel about each other's thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And go into a discussion because even though there are those regimes and they're the rules and the regulations, in a way I see it as a framework um, where th there are the minimums that you have to do mm -hmm. or things that you have to do if you do nothing else then it's at least 50-50 but at the end of it all the, the couple can decide for themselves what they want to do and if they agree about what they want to do and it's within the framework then that's fine you know, that's what you're looking for, for them to be happy about the future that they're both going into. Okay. So that brings me to a concern very often that one will hear when people are advised to go to an institution or organization like FAMSA. The question would be, um, if I'm Muslim and I'm going to see a non-Muslim um, divorce mediator, how will that impact me and the the decisions that I will make and perhaps just your thoughts because I think you've reassured you've explained how it works but I do think that sometimes listeners need a little bit of reassuring in terms of the position that the divorce mediator will hold okay well the divorce mediator say me in the situation would be a negotiator and someone to help them the couple negotiate with say the division of the marital estate if there are certain rules and regulations I don't know about I will ask them as I said well what do you think you are going to do how would you like to move forward and for them to hear what each other's thinking mm -hmm. and at the end of it all I don't really know if it's okay or not and if that's what we're going to put down on paper so I would probably say well now if you can take it to for example, the Muslim Judicial Council or your elders or somebody who knows about these things, a lawyer, perhaps a trusted yeah. friend, whatever, and then come back with their input and let's discuss it again. Yeah. So we I wouldn't finalize anything, put anything on paper until they have had a chance to consult with an outside more knowledgeable 
Okay. Body. Well, that is great because sometimes people think that if they're going to a person who is of a different religion, that that person's religious ideas or ideology will impact on them. And I always try to um, reassure them that as a counselor, as a mediator, as a therapist, you know, whatever the, 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 the name that you would want to re refer to us in, um, we are not allowed to impose our thoughts and our ideas and our religious frameworks on the people with whom we work. Ethically, that will be incorrect. No, absolutely. The, I have absolutely no right to do that. And in fact, my job, as I say, is to facilitate the conversation. And in no way can I impose my views indirectly or directly on the process yeah and I think you know it's it's just reassuring just to um, speak with our uh, our listeners and to say that they can be a part of this program they can contact us in various different ways so you can either call us on the number 021-442-3530 or you can whatsapp us on the whatsapp number 072 or you can SMS on 47913 and send us your messages, your questions, your comments, and we will then respond in the best of way. So we're coming back to the conversations and areas in which, you know, that you look at, um, Margaret. We'll discuss um, parents, parenting styles, um, and conversations that are useful for parents to have when they are in their process of divorce. Your initial thoughts, your important kind of um, all-encompassing thought in terms of conversations about the children? Well, <laughs> that, that every thought that you should have about what is happening in the family should be focused on the well-being of the children, the best for the children. Yes, the mother and father, the couple is splitting up. Yes, they are divorcing. But that is their process and I always say please, please try your very best to keep that process away from your children. Mm -hmm. They are not divorcing anybody. Yeah. They are still your children. You are still their parents and so you have to please have to do everything you can to keep them feeling as safe as possible. Mm -hmm in the situation yeah and i would imagine you know anger is one of the emotions that often stands in the way of considering the children and even the presence of the children as well as um blame language let's speak about the importance um margaret of um of trying to avoid bad mouthing and sometimes in a very bad way you know one of the other and even with other people in earshot of children and even two children yes no absolutely that's a very important rule i have that in bold on the on on my parenting plan i can even see it as i think about it mm -hmm. that firstly that parents should please never bad mouth one another to their children or in front of their children and to please pass on this message and way of being about one another to other members in the family so that they don't inadvertently do that in front of the children too. Your children love both of you. They love their mother, they love their father. As I said before, your anger towards one another is not their anger. Mm -hmm. It's your process. 
and they need both of you. And I think secondly, apart from the fact that they learn how to be angry and how to blame from what they see their parents do, they also learn how to resolve conflicts and how to behave well in difficult situations. They learn that from their parents too. So please try and focus on teaching them that rather than teaching them the blame and the anger. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And sometimes the blame and the anger is so violent or so raw, um, you know, that it hurts the children so badly. And years and years later, we still see the hurt that children would have experienced at a young age. But let's come back to when you're looking at your parenting plan, what are of the, the salient points that you feel would be important for them to look at? Well, I think I mentioned it this uh, last week that I mentioned when we spoke. Um, firstly, discipline, ways of disciplining the children when you're not together anymore. Um, controlling the use of the digital devices, the computer, the cell phone, the tablet. Um, and nutrition, funnily enough, that's one thing that, that comes up often about what the children should eat and what they shouldn't eat. So I think those three things I find the most important and that we can start talking about. Obviously the list is endless and parents can bring in whatever they want to talk about and they can throw something in the mix and say we'd like to talk about this and I'm fine with that. So that's what I usually start with. Okay. Our focus is divorce mediation, and we've had one fo that focuses on divorce mediation. This is our second program. So the first part kind of touched on the division of the marital estate in terms of, you know, whatever you have um, in your estate and how that will be divided and the conversations um, around that. And now we are looking at the importance of the conversations that will include looking at your parenting plan, your shared parenting, um, and the different aspects and topics and feelings and so on that will go, you know, in these conversations. Um, I wanted to ask, Margaret, is this possibly the segment of divorce mediation that might take up the most time? Um, yeah, no, well, from my point of view, it's the one that I would like to devote the most time to. So perhaps that's one part where my preference does interfere a little bit because I really feel that this is the most important. Yes, and I think it does. Okay. And so, yeah, because I would, I would also agree that this should be take up the most time because of the children. I wanted to ask you, um, do parents acknowledge, because sometimes in families, you, and especially if it's been blended families, you'd sometimes have adult children who are still in the house, but then you'll have one or two little ones, two year old, three year old and bigger sisters and brothers would be, um, 19 and 20 and so on with mm -hmm. huge gaps um, do you find that there is enough conversation going around the different needs of the different children because of the ages um, sometimes yes sometimes sometimes yes I think it's well it's enough uh, not that there ever is enough but enough for the time that we have but sometimes there isn't and then I will try and 
you know, um, make them talk about them, but introduce certain topics, ask questions, and encourage conversation because I, I believe that they need to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. A very difficult aspect for me is if two people were married before and each had their own children and then they came together and they had their children, so it's mm-hmm. yours, mine, and ours. When there is a, a divorce in uh, with this couple, then sometimes there's confusion in terms of the loyalty or the love or how will they handle the children who are not their biological children. And sometimes that's extremely painful for the children. For example, and let me give a, a, um, a particular case. Mom and dad, the, the couple who is now getting divorced now, mom had a son who was still a baby. Now, this couple is now getting divorced years later, 15, 16 years later, which means that little boy grew up with that man as his dad. Mm -hmm. But now at the time of the divorce, it almost feels as if, but it's not his dad because he belongs to another father. So the confusion around that, you have conversations like that? Yes, no, definitely. And um, I always insist... And try and uh, uh, get parents to understand, because I don't know if they understand that well and that consciously, how important the relationship they have with the child Mm -hmm. is. And that how the child feels depends on how the relationship is handled. And in, in a case of an adult and a child, that the adult is in charge, really, of conveying the the information and handling and directing the relationship and it's important that they realize how important that that relationship is and how important their influence is yeah i find it very so margaret when let's say two children are very similar ages but now the one child belongs in this marriage and the other child is a child of a previous marriage and when they then separate and they go to the shared parenting home Homes that the children are separated because I'm staying by my mommy when, when whilst my brother is going to, to his daddy. So at times, you know, like if it's one week here, one week there, or two weeks here, two weeks there, then if I'm my, my mommy's child, I will stay with my mommy, but my brother will go away for two weeks, come back again, go away to its daddy, and that daddy would be someone I loved. As my father, that is suicidal. Yes, it is so. And children have to make many of their own emotional adjustments and have to cope with with being taken. You know, leaving one parent who they really loved and but who isn't their biological parent. Perhaps compartmentalizing. Okay, now I'm going to have my relationship with mommy. Now I'm going to have my relationship with daddy. Now I'm going to be together again with my sister or my brother. It's. I can imagine it's very hard. I, I don't I don't know what to do about that there, other than to encourage, again, conversation and talking about what the adults can do to help the children through this. To make this. it better. Mm-hmm. Do you sometimes, you know, if depending on, you know, the the part of your process where you're focusing, do you sometimes have the children come in um, to chat with you as well? Yes, well, uh, towards the end of the mediation when the parents have come to agreement on most issues and they are ready to go and take their divorce to the step, to the legal stage 
and have it finalized then I will call the children in and there's actually not very much I do other than hear what they have to say um, explain to them how the parenting is going to work how the contact is going to work how the care is going to work explain to them the rules and what they are going to experience hear what they have to say if they have something really critical difficult I don't know a problem that they have that they want their parents to know about so they tell you know they're talking and I ask them is this something that you would want your parents to know about and they say yes and I need to tell their parents then I, I would have another meeting with the parents and give them feedback on how the session with the children went mm -hmm. and perhaps we need to have more conversations about what what needs to be done to help the children more or what needs to be changed because the children don't particularly like it well then we have to do it then it'll be another session but okay. but the, the the importance of um, considering how things will impact on the children and having conversations that that so much focuses on the children and even like you said you will have a session and you will explain it to the children in many many homes that you know, it really does not happen. No, I, I, I know that. And in fact, and I know that from the, the mediations that I've done, that parents say, well, really, do you really need to talk to the children? You know, they'll get used to it. We'll yeah. tell them what they need to know. Uh, you don't really need to talk to them. It just complicate issues. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I would imagine very often uh, um, parents will feel that way. Do you find and would you recommend that there will be a discussion in regard to when new spouses or even girlfriends and boyfriends um, start coming into the relationship, you know, what and, and how that would be handled? Yes, no, those, those are discussions. Sometimes people say, well, whatever happens you know you just behave decently you do what you want in your house and i will do what i want in my house and we don't need to talk about it i've heard that once or twice but actually in the main there will be a discussion about well i think you know perhaps you know there should be time uh, children shouldn't be introduced to them immediately i don't want this or i wouldn't like that but it's a discussion because actually neither can really impose any behaviors on the other no it all depends on goodwill yeah but ultimately if you know with your mediation and 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 you one gets the sense how deeply committed you are that the children should be considered if both parents and they will they do love their children if they can speak about it from the premise of can we do what is in the interest of the children Yes, no, that's obviously, that's, as I say, first prize in the yeah. discussions. But again, as I said before, it, it's at the time when the parents are separating and then divorcing, emotions are running so high, they feel so angry, they are so hurt, they are so betrayed and deceived and let down, and they can only think of the conflict between one another. Yeah. It's very, very sad. It can it's be difficult. so. Yeah, it can be so all-consuming. Yes, they are really overwhelmed, yeah. I, and really, I I don't blame any of them. And I, I as I, I said to you earlier, that I spend most of my time thinking about how I can 
lead them to a place or guide them to a place where they can talk to one another and leave all those other feelings outside yeah. outside the room yeah but and and when you describe it like that one realizes how important div- uh, divorce mediation really is because they are in their own very very sad or sore spaces that it's hard yes. to step out of those spaces yeah and the mediator is almost the person who thinks things through for them and helps them to go along with their conversations tell me uh, uh, speak with me a little bit about that which you will would want to have them speak about in terms of discipline in regard to the children um well i think for younger children it's well in my experience when i've seen for younger uh, discussing younger children's discipline it tends to be easier for mm-hmm. example uh, we agree that only parents will smack the children and nobody else and only parents will punish the children and we will choose the punishment some parents say no we must agree that there won't be any smacking there won't be any corporal punishment so we perhaps what about time out or um, I don't know taking away privileges uh, who knows whatever they come up with then there's a discussion about that with older children it's a bit more complicated and I think even for parents who are together in a in a very long-term marriage it's difficult to discipline children over the age of about 11 12 and then they discuss them they might discuss it here or there but usually end up saying well we'll do our best and there'll be something like well, no smacking, but maybe time out will work, maybe taking away privileges, who knows. We'll talk in a month's time or two months' time. Yeah. I suppose that's the best I can hope for, that they'll keep talking. Yeah, and and keep talking, keeping talking is, is such a critical aspect of, you know, trying to um, parent the child as the child goes into adolescence and young adulthood because situations arise. Um, or new events, new ways of being. Children want to do new things, explore new experiences, and then parents need to speak about it. Yes, right, and and they can also help one another because if there is that level of communication between them, then the one can say, oh, well, listen, this happened at my place. Um, He's coming over to you next weekend. Just make sure that X, Y, and Z doesn't happen. You know, they can communicate with one another and and give each other a heads up on what's going on right and i think also the agreement between shall you know will both of us agree that we will say no to something and yes it's okay to something else or let's say curfews curfews can't be four o'clock the morning in the one house but it's 12 o'clock in the other house type Mm -hmm. of thing no no absolutely although i must say that there are parents who say to make it easy and fair for both of us this is hard enough for us let's just say my house my rules in my house your rules in your house and the relationship that we have with our children is what will help those rules be enforced Mm -hmm. and then we have nothing to say to one another about what we each do what I find very difficult, and I just want to ask you, the you know when they are now in the process of divorce, but do you find at times that there is a lot of external influence that that comes afore in the conversations, 
like families' voices. My mother said this and my sister said that and my cousin felt that way. Okay, no, no, absolutely. There practically always is. some. Uh, even if, if they don't say that there's another voice, you can hear that there are other voices in what they say. Well, yes, it happens, and there's practically nothing in life that doesn't happen with outside voices. Yeah. It's part of part of the process of. Yeah, sometimes, and and would you, you know, especially when it is kind of clear to you that the outside voice can be very disruptive. You know, would you sometimes kind of? help them to see that well no no i would oh, for example i would say oh well really do you do you agree with that would you like to do it that way mm-hmm. and see what they say have you thought about it so ultimately when one listens to the process of mediation you hear how the process of mediation is trying to help you to think about things to contemplate things um Sorry, instead of just making up your mind um, emotionally. No, no, absolutely. <coughs> I think one of one of the the loveliest things that I've seen it was an advert for mediation. I think it was overseas an advert for mediation, which was um, helping. It was speaking to either the husband or the wife, the mother, the father, helping you to in take the opportunity to. I don't know, make, uh, create something better from this or take the opportunity of this change, something like it's, that. It's, it's wonderful because like you say, when a divorce happens, uh, albeit a very, very sore um, time in your life, but this very divorce can actually take you to such a more beautiful, a more improved, a more enriched life. No, absolutely, and I would say for uh, one of the best places I think that you can get to is to say that if you came to the decision that a divorce is what you need to do, then you need to do it with optimism for the future and looking ahead that this change will be for the better. Otherwise, why do it? Yeah. No way. Yeah, I think it's such a good you know, way or helpful way to see that, as you say, when you have... Uh, come to the decision where you now know this is the better then approach it that way approach it positively yes no absolutely and that, in my opinion that's the only way yeah yeah we have no other option yeah i think not and again not too often do we think about divorce in this way i want to speak with you about conversations that parents could have in terms of um digital uh, devices um managing it you know with children in different homes and perhaps each having their own digital devices in their separate homes Sometimes they're so blessed, these children, mm-hmm. that they have them. Well, uh, the very first thing I can think of is the time, the time limitations. For example, on only after breakfast and off before supper, something like that, mm-hmm. and or not on during meals, that there are limitations in terms of usage, time mm-hmm. usage. Um, Otherwise, a couple of schools actually have guidelines just for the parents out there who don't really know where to start thinking about it. Yeah. Find out from the school what policy they 
give parents because they sometimes they do have some very interesting ideas. That's really wonderful because it it impacts on the children's functioning at school, you know, absolutely because some of the children will be on their devices almost half you know through the night and then the next day they're very very tired yeah i like the idea of all the digital devices being parking in one parking area in the home where it doesn't live in the in the rooms of the children where they can lie with the the device underneath the blankets and still be wide awake two o'clock and three o'clock in the morning and mom and dad thinks that they're busy sleeping so so perhaps just to speak about nutrition you mentioned nutrition and the types of discussions that would be useful for parents to have? Well, uh, I think the very first thing that comes to mind for me anyway that I hear a lot of parents being concerned about is the consumption of the junk, so-called junk food. Mm-hmm. All the sweets and the, the, the soda pops and the sugary drinks and the cakes and all the, all the things that, I don't know, were you know put the children on a on a high that they go a bit crazy and they are not eating nutritious food which they need for healthy growth so yes i've often heard parents say to one another please to be careful about giving too much junk food not to reward with sweets or chocolates but instead with experiences and is that the children should grow up eating nicely and being healthy and well. Yeah, I think it it is very important because sometimes in certain homes, and you see this in counselling where particularly if it is a situation where a parent might have the children for weekends where they can go crazy because it's just two days or so and they can just eat whatever they please and all the sweets and and all of the stuff that's really not so healthy for them to eat all the time Mm -hmm. and they just because it's one big party because it's perhaps every second weekend. The mindfulness around that for parents would be so important. But I did think about something else that would also be important to speak about. Um, Your thoughts, Margaret, on if a child needs particular medication, chronic illnesses and illness management, when when the child um, becomes ill and the child is with me, when and how will I alert you? When will I alert you to know that the child isn't well? etc yeah. okay well according to the law it's a st- uh, that that I get on in the parenting plan from the family advocates office mm-hmm. the parents each a parent who has the child in an emergency situation is entitled to make whatever decision they need to make to cope with that situation however they have to inform one another within 24 hours they have to inform the other parent yeah. within 24 hours what's happening with the children and if i'm not mistaken there is there's also something about having to inform the parent if the child is longer is ill longer than a day okay but then those are just guidelines yeah. again that, that's the framework now within that framework yes. i like parents to talk about how they feel how they would like to 
have those situations dealt with what they would like to know and when and and come to an agreement about it and then we put that into the parenting plan that's wonderful because i remember two little boys that i saw um, with their parents and the whole discussion was about um, don't wait until a day later when the child has been hospitalized and i didn't know and then only you think of phoning me and the trauma that then happens in terms of how the other parent feels and i think the fears around and especially if you have children who are quite ill you know to that that these conversations are critically important yes i'm not there they also they they also rely a lot on trust i think those issues rely a lot on trust Mm -hmm. because sometimes and i I can understand that the time runs away with you an emergency happens time runs away with you and before you know it the day's gone by and you only realize oh i have to phone my child's mother yeah. my child's father yeah. and you really don't mean to be neglectful and you don't mean to cause them pain and you really have tried to do your best as a parent and so the last thing you really need is for the other parent to start blaming you for not having done the right thing yeah. and you didn't really do them so i think there has to be a level of trust and you have to look at one another as parents who love their child yeah who wants the best for the and children. yes you were lousy husbands and wives but you are parents who want the best for your children. That's really great. And I think we at the time when we have to conclude our program. And so we'll speak further in our next program, Margaret. I've been speaking with Margaret Fulton, the family mediator and registered counsellor of FAMSA. Thank you so much for your contribution to the program this evening. And I wish you well. Good evening. Thank you. Good evening. So, yeah, that thing conclude this part of my program.